Welcome to Topic Top Hat. I'm Rachel, your local craft smuggler with no filter. And I'm Brendan, bottomless fountain of useless information and professional toddler wrangler. And I am Amber, your local crazy cat lady and professional sass master. And no, I will not roast you. Today's topic, or rather this week's topic, is on mythology. So what we did with this one was we picked a large book of uh, mythological creatures and myself, Brendan and Amber flipped through pages randomly and we picked a creature that sounded like the best research. So we'll be presenting a little bit of fact and a little bit of fiction as we go through today's topic. To start off today's segment, we are going to be letting Amber take the wheel today. Alright, so for our starting for our mythical creatures for this week, we are going to talk about Gorgons. And the most famous of them is known as Medusa. So if you don't know what a Gorgon is, Medusa is one of the typical, typically known Gorgons. Now the fun thing is Homer, when he was writing the Iliad and the Odyssey, originally wrote about one Gorgon who was a monster in the underworld. It wasn't until later that the Greek poet Hesiod changed that into three. The three sisters, Medusa, Stheno, and Uriel, who were the daughters of Four Seasons Ceto. Now these creatures are portrayed as winged females with flat noses, large projecting teeth, and lolling tongues, as well as their uh, well-known snake hair. The interesting thing about Medusa is that she was mortal, as opposed to her two sisters, and she was actually a very beautiful looking woman. She was a servant, a, a higher a priestess in the Temple of Athena, and she caught the eye of Poseidon and Poseidon deflowered and impregnated her, and that is what caused Athena to change her appearance to monstrous like her sisters. So a lot of people say that that was in Athena's anger. Why would her deflowering, if it was more violence rather than consensual, have caused Athena to become angry? So Athena is a goddess of virginity. She she was pure and chaste and she required that all of her followers and all of her servants and those who were serving in her temples also remain chaste and to be deflowered and to actually have proof of it to be impregnated, impregnated as well that is a big no-no to her. So the dichotomy of the story is some people say that she was willing in and was seduced by Poseidon and was happy to go along with his Luxurious seduction. Demands. Yeah, that too. <laughs> and so Athena cursed her to look like her sisters as a punishment. But the other side of the story is that Medusa was a faithful servant of Athena and she was taken advantage of. And in that case, Athena changed her to make her look like her sisters to keep any other man from trying to take advantage of her. So she became a monstrous creature with the snake hair and the visage that if she saw you and you looked at her, you would turn into stone and that would protect her. So it was a very interesting dichotomy there. And didn't she have those children? 
at one point? Yes, yeah. she when she was impregnated, she ended up actually having two children, but they were born when she died. She had her head cut off by Perseus. Uh, it was an interesting backstory. Perseus's mom had a suitor who was interested in getting him out of the way, so he sent him on a quest to bring the head of Medusa back to him. And Perseus had the favor of the gods, so he was given a few things like a shield to reflect to reflect the visage of the Gorgons upon so he wouldn't turn into stone, and a weapon that would cut off the head of a Gorgon. And so it was very interesting that that side story, but when she was beheaded is when her children were actually born. And Perseus saved Medusa's head in cloth wrappings and presented it to his mother's suitor, his would-be stepfather, and actually when he unwrapped it, they all looked upon the head and the would-be suitor and his his soldiers all turned to stone. So that was like leftover magic from the body. That's really cool. I think we should probably delve into the subject of Perseus, probably another day. I think that would be a very interesting deep delve just to kind of talk about that entire scenario. Oh yeah, that's a whole nother story. And there was a little bit more that he did with Medusa's like blood and stuff after she was she was killed too. That it was just a very interesting story, but that's for another time. Amber story time part two. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come. It'll come. Alright, Brennan, what did you prepare for us today? I found something that unfortunately has a little less information on it because it is more obscure. It is an old Arthurian legend called the Questing Beast, also known occasionally as a Galistant. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this, history buffs. The Questing Beast, or the Galistant, supposedly has the elongated neck and head of a snake, the body of a leopard, the haunches and tail of a lion, and the legs and cloven hoof of a stag. Quite the curious beast, if you ask me. Fucked up, but curious. The legend goes that from this beast's stomach as it approaches, you can hear the sounds of 40 pairs of hounds hunting. What? Inside of it? <laughs> not, 40 hounds? Not the hounds themselves. You can hear the sounds of hounds, and the reason for this is because of the creature's origin. According to the old legend, this creature comes from a rather grotesque tale. A tale of incest, specifically in which a woman sleeps with her brother and becomes impregnated. Instead of a child being born, the woman gives birth to this horrifying amalgamation of a creature, and then subsequently, immediately after the beast's birth, the woman is torn apart by 40 pairs of hunting hounds. That shit is terrifying and yeah. I can only think of Cersei it's coming for you tell Cersei I want her to know it was me <laughs> so well I that explains why head. Joffrey was such an insufferable little monster he was a questing beast <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. wasn't he not yes. the first child though wasn't it his sister technically question I didn't watch too closely for Game of Thrones um, so you had a theory about 
some poor traveling uh, individual, one of the, what do they call them? Travelers that... generally are people who travel. <laughs> you, had a, you had a curious thought about how this creature could be applied to reality if somebody had seen it but had, did not have the terms to describe it like we do today. Um, yeah. Going back to its description, elongated neck, body of a leopard, so leopard spotted, lion-like tail, so a long thin tail with a hairy tuft at the end, long horse or deer-like legs with cloven hooves. You know, call me crazy, but that sounds an awful lot like a damn giraffe. <laughs> oh my god. Which, slight segue here, can we talk about how giraffes are in fact real and not a mythical creature, but a unicorn is a mythical creature? I mean, just from a descriptive standpoint, for the fans, which one sounds more real once described to you? A horse with a horn protruding from its head? Or a leopard camel moose with a 40-foot neck? Leave your comments below. On, on the kind of subject of leopard camel moose oh my God. with a 40-foot neck. Oh my god, that's amazing. Um, Giraffes are very real, but when you describe them, they sound completely made up. They do. I honestly didn't, it didn't click for me until you, you said giraffe and I'm like, oh god. Oh no. Long neck, leopard spotted, lion-like tail, it's true. legs of a deer, cloven hoof. Yeah, it, it, it's a damn giraffe. I feel kind of dumb, but that's okay. Do you have any more you want to input on your questing piece? I mean, unfortunately, there wasn't a whole lot of information that I could find at the time. But much like Amber's extended tale going from Gorgons to Perseus at a later date, I might be able to find the original Arthurian legend, study that up some, and then give my quirky twist on it and try and explain that one as well. It may be interesting. Hey, my darling hatters, if you guys happen to find this Arthurian legend, shoot it our way, I'll make him read it. It'll be fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Please send it my way. All right, I'll go next. I had been flipping through the book and I had a couple of mishaps and I apologize. I like to pronounce things phonetically. I came across a word that I could not pronounce. It was some giant crow from Navajo history for the Indians and I kept running into words like that, and so I decided to go with the Agatha Demon from Greek mythology, because everybody loves Greek. That, and it was something she could actually pronounce. Oh yeah, we had like six tries of us giggling before she just chose something different. It was, none of us could say it, it was bad. It was very, very bad. There's nothing against it, we just, if we can't pronounce it at all, we didn't want to offend anybody. We couldn't even find proper references and I would rather hear it from somebody of the culture myself before I try to butcher their poor language. Um, you got the demon, uh, rolling back to where we were going, uh, is a winged serpent from classical mythology and, of course, Gnostic traditions. It is, it, it is associated to have good luck, and uh, there were many offerings that were made to the creature with wine, which just makes me think of Bacchus, to be completely honest. A demon associated with good luck. Well, 
the name Agatha Demon may kind of seem alluding. I think it's the name. It's I, I think it's because it's a snake that the people associated it with that. But because if we go back to traditional biblical tradition, you have the snake that gave Adam and Eve the apple. And the snakes in the desert that were, or, well, the one snake in the desert that was talking to Jesus for temptation. Yeah, it's it's a common theme. Fair enough. Another way to describe the Agatha demon is sometimes shown as um, Aeon, the bearer of the zodiac of time, uh, with a lion's head and a body, a man's body. With this idea of the Agatha demon and then being associated with good luck, I just I wanted to choose it because I want wanted to look more into it, and I just I think that it's very interesting that they they presented wine as offering because it was for good harvest and everybody loves wine. It was just it was it was a trip in the park, man. Um, I think that. When we think of Greek mythology, we often think of the Titans and of Zeus and the pantheon of gods, but we don't really look too deeply into the other creatures that were present in Greek and in other mythologies. And it, it, he's apparently very prominent in Greek folk religion rather than like their main pantheon. I just, it was, there's a lot, there's a lot on it and I can't begin to sort what was more educationally accurate than what was it. Oh, and that's the fun thing about Greek myths. Like, I was talking or about... Or any myths in general. Yeah, I was talking There's about Medusa, so and there's so many different stories. And like I said, the dichotomy of the reason why she was cursed, but there's so many different tellings. And that's the fun thing. If you have a different telling than what we've said, please post it. Because we, we want to read it. We would love to hear. And, yeah. and we are all for learning something new. One of my biggest things with history is, and, and one of the, the deepest beliefs I have personally, is history is written by the winners. And we often miss things. Oh, and yeah. things are lost. And it is, that is, very it is a tragedy, true. but it is, it is a fact. Let us move on to our next topic in this segment, which was led by you, right, Amber? Yeah, it's back to me again. So I have a very interesting one next. It's, it has a bit of Greek mythology to it. It's got a little bit of Roman mythos to it. It's got a little bit of, honestly, let's go back to the Bible a little bit. Um, this is about Jasconius. Jasconius was a large whale-like creature that is commonly in myths confused for an island. And one of the most popular, I should say, stories is actually talking about St. Brendan from My Ireland. My secret is out. <laughs> not that Brendan. <laughs> we promise Brendan is not a, thou uh, a thousand, tens of thousands years old. That would be hilarious. But there's... There's a story about <laughs> that is great. There's a story about Saint Brendan from Ireland who was a seafaring monk and he had a ship full of other monks like him. And their boat kind of crashed into an island and so they decided to bank on the island and have a small feast, make a dinner. So they began to prep their dinner and they built a fire on this island, and as they lit the fire and began to cook their dinner, the island began to move. 
Like it began to quake and then it began to slowly sink. So, yeah. So St. Brennan- That sounds terrifying. Yeah, they all ran to the boat. They all made it, according to the myth. Everybody made it back to the boat safe, but they watched this giant island sink. And this is where things get interesting. God spoke to Brendan and said, that was Jasconius, the great whale, and informed him that it was a living creature that they had made their little camping they party, set I up guess. Camp on? Yeah. So do you know, did you happen to find out if this is in the Bible itself, or this is a general text? This is a general text. This is the saints just, later, just... later on. But here's the thing. Some people say that Justonius was the same whale that ate Jonah. It has not been proven, but but there is a lot of common belief that it is. But my favorite thing about the story of of St. Brendan is they came back. They found Justonius again, and they celebrated Easter Mass on his back again. That's because God spoke to him, so so they they deemed it as holy. But Justonius himself was considered a chaotic or slightly evil creature. It literally was there to kind of try and lure ships closer and then it would try and ram them and sink them. So what you're telling me is that an extremely short and summarized version of the tale of Jasconius and St. Brendan is that a bunch of monks crashed into an island set up camp, and the island started to move, so they dipped out. And then God whispered to St. Brendan, yo, my dude, that's a fucking whale. And they came back! So then they came back and had a party on its back. They came back and held mass, Easter mass. Do you know how long those masses were? Oh my gosh. I cannot even imagine it. It's probably from like sunrise. It blew my mind. It blew my mind. And that is, absolutely wild yeah I, I love it i'm floored at that story it's the best thing and i will say that jasconius is a, considered a whale-like creature with that has like crevices and almost like valleys on it that it's described as i was thinking that way back then it could have been like really large barnacles because those look like little rocks and crevices on creatures. That is entirely possible. But it's not just a whale. Some other stories and myths, and once again we get to how everything is different. Jasconius is described as a different creature that's a sea turtle with an island on it, or a sea monster that's kind of similar to a kraken with an island. So it's not so just it a whale. So it might be a leviathan. My, my anime nerd yeah. wants to come out here and say, Probably I think not. I saw something like that in One Piece. <laughs> uh, Torterra s- from Pokemon. There you go. Oh, <laughs> oh my There's God. so many. There's so many. But the main one that I was going on was the whale itself. But yeah, it's, it was crazy. That is, that that is, is absolutely fantastic. Let's, that was. Let's party on a whale. That is an absolutely insane tale, and that, quite frankly, blew my damn wig back. You don't have a wig. But but to be fair, that saint sounds like you, Brendan. Just a little bit. I, think I that's in why personality, I yes, I'd go on. I definitely would be the one to go out, crash into something, and then hear a random ass voice saying, "My dude." <laughs> It's a big fish. <laughs> and then I'd be like, oh, sweet. Let's Bonfire go. party, anyone? Let's go find the fish. 
It's like, or whale, whale, pardon. Yeah, they came back and I fast. would be that guy, but Saint? <laughs> you flatter me, but you are dead wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I would never call you a saint. I, I have, we know better. I've known you for way too long. Um, I think that I'm going to go next before we lead into your crazy-ass creature, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, I found another fun one. <laughs> Um, this, this one's one not as dark, dark as the questing beast. No tales of incest and people being ripped apart. No leopard <laughs> camel mooses. This one's <laughs> still pretty wild, though. So the one that I researched next is also known as the Cosmic Dragon. Because I had to go with the dragon, because if you don't know me and my family, we are dragon-obsessed. Oh, yeah. I can preach. There's mounted heads on the wall. There are sconces. There's a little bit of everything. To be fair, quite that mounted head is a dragon that was limited edition from the D&D franchise. Hey, D&D, please, please sponsor us. Oh my god. We will get into that another day, otherwise we'll be here for four hours. Yeah, I won't shut up about that. I am that nerd. <laughs> um, we are definitely going to be doing, uh, later on in this show, we will be doing a um, critical role review, revelation, and fan party. Y'all are We will definitely be inviting some special guests to join us. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Anyways, so my dragon. Uh, is actually called, uh, this is Mesopotamian, I will not, I'm going to disclaim right now, I do not know how to speak Mesopotamian or anything that is Babylonian related, I, I am sorry if I butcher this, people, you are, you are so right, I, I did say this wrong, <laughs> um, you, you, yeah, no, I can't do it, you say it, Brendan, you're better at this. Masusu. Masusu? You added a couple extra syllables, <laughs> love. I, I am sorry to inform you. Masusu. <laughs> Say it with me now. Masusu. Disclaimer, we are having fun looking at these mythological creatures and trying to explain origins and backstory. We are not at all like fully we, we do not have the degrees to explain to you in an accurate fashion. This is just our opinions. This they is, don't matter. This is for shits and giggles. Don't get on our asses. We're just having fun doing a little bit of research. If we get things wrong, we are sorry. Also be informed if we have offended you in any way. We are, we we are sorry. But we're only human. So, Masusu uh, was the great cosmic dragon in the mythology of Babylon and Mesopotamia. The Fertile Crescent, birthplace of life. Sirash was the other name for this monster, which had the body of a vast dragon with the tail of a serpent, which was a poisonous sting. It's starting to sound like a goddamn scorpion that can fucking fly. Giant Aside from the lion's head, it sounds a little bit like a manticore. A little bit, yeah. Just a smidge. Apparently, its legs had the appearance of eagles, while its four legs were the... It's a manticore. It's a manticore. Huh. <laughs> well, I guess we know where that came from. Um, I guess horns projected from the top of its head and down to its neck, and its body was covered from head to tail in thick scales. 
No, it, Chimera. Oh, I suppose. Um, it was known as the guardian of the Ishtar Gates. Uh, and if you don't know who Ishtar is, I'm going to for, for, forewarn you guys. That is another pantheon all entirely. Um, Ishtar was a goddess. And she was the one of the main goddesses in the Mesopotamian Sumerian pantheon. Uh, and by the way, if you go back into history and look at those two civilizations, their rulers lived for an ungodly amount of time. I had researched this like way back in the day and I can't quote you like timelines or anything right now because I don't have those notes with me, but they lived for hundreds to a thousand years. And if you're like me who has a husband who's obsessed with aliens, I think I found my aliens. Oh my lord. <laughs> but I think that looking into the, when we get down to the nitty gritty and looking into these creatures such as these dragons that constantly kind of reappear in mythology, wouldn't it have been so cool if like one of those dragons survived to nowadays and it just kind of popped up? I, I mean, the destruction wouldn't be cool. But just the idea of seeing these things in person. Get the popcorn. <laughs> All the popcorn. That'd be amazing to see. I'm just gonna sit back and watch the mass populaces lose the goddamn minds. With the popcorn. Okay, we're transitioning this topic over to you, Brendan. You have some crazy shenanigans ready for us, don't you? Well, maybe a little bit. I found an old Chinese legend of the dragon card. That's right, you heard me. Dragon card. This beast supposedly has the head of a dragon and the tail of a giant carp. And supposedly, it had the gift of human speech. Which I find quite interesting. There is an old legend about this beast saying that there was a poor fisherman who every time he went out to sea, he would never catch anything and would always have to return home with empty nets. After years of trying to make it and support his family, he went a little bit further out to sea and he ended up accidentally catching the dragon carp in his net. Delighted by his catch, he started trying to haul it in and was completely shocked and dumbfounded when the beast spoke to him, begged for its freedom. In his surprise, the man let go of the nets and after having a full-on conversation with the dragon cart, he was swayed by his words and his eloquence and actually allowed the beast to return to the sea. The beast returned the next time the fisherman set sail. Turns out the dragon carp was actually the son of the dragon king of the sea. And in the dragon king's gratitude for the fisherman releasing his son rather than dragging him back to the docks, he blessed the fisherman and every time then after that the fisherman returned to the sea, he returned with more fish than he knew what to do with, always with full nets and a full deck on his boat, and never went hungry or lived in poverty again. So if you catch a 
fish creature thing that speaks to you, let it let go. Let it go. And you won't get you won't be hungry anymore. Oh, great prosperity will come to you. Isn't that kind of like the princess in the tower, but with a prince? Do you think that? Hmm. I don't know. But this merchant, because of the Dragon King of the Sea's blessing for releasing his son, never went hungry again, always had more fish than he knew what to do with, and became one of the wealthiest merchants in the entire kingdom. That's some good Sounds juju. like some good karma. Oh yeah. I read the description of the creature and... Full disclaimer, I am a raging fucking nerd, and quite possibly still eight years old in my head. Well, I think this description of this particular beast kind of sounds a little bit like Gyarados from the Pokemon franchise, for any of those who are familiar. You mean the dragony water Pokemon that evolves from Magikarp? Yes. The thing that everybody calls a, a raging beast out of a freaking nobody? Uh, yeah. Uh, I hated that that creature. <laughs> I didn't like Gyarados. I didn't like Magikarp. I think that was my problem. I just thought they were stupid. I mean, with Gyarados' design, like, it's aesthetic. I think it's quite possible that it was based on the old Chinese legend, because quite frankly a lot of Pokemon have their basis for their design come from either the natural world or old fables. Yeah, cough, cough, well, and if you look at Terra, yeah, and if we kind of reel back with the dragony face of Gyarados and we kind of look into those dragon dance faces from like what you see in the Chinese parades and things like that, I guess. I can see similarities. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, in Chinese legends, there are dozens, if not close to a hundred, of insert here dragon hybrids. The dragon carp, the lion dragon, the lion turtle, the dragon turtle, the dragon so on horse. and so forth. The list goes on and on and on. Everybody loves dragons. That's just what it's boiling down to. I mean... Alright, I think... I think Pokemon might be a little bit too long to kind of get into today because we all know that you've been playing since then. I mean, Shit, won't talk about it too long. since it came out. Uh, it was five. Yeah, that was a while ago. So, we all kind of come back to that. You guys are kind of getting this window of just how in-depth we are in just different subjects and why we are labeling this as improv because we... We are not scripted. We are not doing anything through script. So, In fact, we're kind of just letting ADHD take the wheel at times, and on occasion it gets out of hand, and we why, do apologize. Why am I the adult and bringing us back to subjects? Because I have the worst out of all of us. Do you see Because my Amber and I need an adultier adult from time to time. Sorry, you've been elected. Oh. I'm not Captain a... Adulto. Nice to meet you. <laughs> the pleasure's all mine. Alright, real back to our subject. Uh, Amber, you have the next creature, don't you? Uh, yeah, I, uh, we looked up about three creatures each, and my last one is... interesting. See, there's there's an interesting little... an interesting trend with the monsters I was looking up, or the mythical creatures I was looking up, because technically in all three of them, 
even even the gorgons were considered somewhat of a darker creature so my last one is the Vumert, the waterman or watermaster which is a european water spirit specifically um known around finland or estonia so those those areas um if anybody listening uh is finnish or estonian or in in that section of of europe if you could please because we do know that uh, names and things are pronounced differently. If you could please send us. Yeah, if I'm wrong, let me know. What I, that would be. I love learning, so uh, yeah. Um, Just don't be snotty about it. That's all I ask. We're all nice. Are you bombing the audience already? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Love you all. Okay. But this, this is a European water spirit that is known for drowning people. Yay! Oh my god, it's like the Kappa from Japan. Kind of sort of. Kind of sort of. These, these no, guys? No, Red Cap used to, they, they totally used to scout people and then wear their scouts. After they drowned them. Oh, I don't know, they, I thought they just attacked Surprise! them. Surprise! See, see, mine's a little bit different. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about those next time. Part two, I swear to god, part two will be coming because of this. But, they, these water spirits take the shape of naked men, or sometimes women, depending on who is around. If there were men around, they take the shape of naked women with long black hair. Well, there if, goes my plans for a Finnish vacation. <laughs> <laughs> if there were women around, they would take the shape of handsome men with long black hair. Rachel, you're coming with me. Oh boy. And... Yes, they're very good looking, but like I said, they are considered evil creatures. Now the interesting thing I saw, because I had to, I had to do a lot of digging for this, because there was a little bit of mixed information. There was a little bit, tidbits of information from Estonia, tidbits of information from Finland, and then there was a few mixed sites and things that I was looking at and book, books that didn't agree. So I was, I've dropped a few things that weren't agreed on for the most part and kept what uh, four out of five sources said was correct. So if I'm wrong, once again, let me know. But you were the kid in school that used to do the entire project by herself, weren't you? I couldn't trust those fuckers to get the work done. Heck yes, I did. <laughs> but there was a reason that they're drowning humans. And apparently they had very large families under the water. And the drowned humans were actually servants. Like they would drown these humans and make them become servants or actually they used them as horses. Underwater after oh they God, killed them. Fascinating. That's the best thing. And another thing about these creatures is if you see these water spirits, it's seeing them or hearing their voice is considered a sign or a warning of an upcoming large spread illness or a future coming calamity. So they were bad omens, bad luck to see them, bad luck to be around them because you're probably losing your life. But. It was, Lovely. it was a very interesting uh, tale that I, I read. I'm like, well, this is very fun. And my thought was, okay, these creatures, there's a lot of tales about these creatures, but my thought was, okay, people drown quite often, especially in the past. There, people didn't swim very well. There, there were some great swimmers, but most people did not swim very well. Well, they didn't make it a pastime because they were too busy trying to survive. Exactly. So, I mean... if, a, if a good-looking traveler in a region was around and then, like, they lost some of their people for, to drowning when that person was around, were those people blamed? 
It is entirely possible. Or were the witches blamed? Yeah. Like, I thought it might have been like a jealousy thing because these creatures are described, these spirits are described as like very handsome or very beautiful with like their long black hair. So I was thinking, okay, is it jealousy on behalf of the natives? Like, oh, I caught my wife looking at that guy over there and then we had a drowning in the village. It, it had to have been him. He had to have been a spirit. Like, that, that was very well okay, could that have been an origin. I mean, it's kind of similar to the witch hunts. Everybody's a witch that you don't like. That's that's pretty much what happened, unfortunately. I mean, yeah. And then once you were accused, there was really no way out of it. Because if you survived the trial, you were found guilty and were killed. And if you didn't survive the trial... Well, you were dead. Oops, oh, I'm well. sorry. I suppose you were innocent, but now we have to bury you anyway. There really was no getting out of it once accused, proof or not. So, they remind me of, uh, of the stories of Southies from Ireland. Oh. I mean, yeah, minus the drownings. Well, they did. They, they, they were considered mischievous, and they would take people into the sea. And then they would, in the human form, on land. I. And there was there was a fun thing about uh, the water spirits possibly coming up during winter time, coming and going into the saunas in the winter. <laughs> 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 oh, okay, so on that, so I have a friend who is uh, used to go up north and go to school up north in uh, central Wisconsin, and in that. Uh, his roommate, the, the guy that was next door, who was in a uh, dorm all to himself, was in fact Finnish. And I just remember three in the morning, this guy and my friend get so wasted, and I had fallen asleep because it had taken forever to get up to him. And I just hear the sounds of things hitting the floor, and that's what wakes me up from my exhaustion. And I get up and I kind of look at them. I'm like, why are you guys naked? And and he's like, oh, we, we do this from time to time. We get drunk and we wrestle. And I was like, naked? And the, this blonde, tall, lanky young man looks at me and goes, yeah, it is fun. And he has this thick accent. And I, I'm never gonna say that I can quote what he said accurately because it was, it was an accent I'd never heard before. And he goes, I, and just to be honest, I don't remember his name. Apparently I was too drunk to remember, but he shook my hand and he said, I'm from Finland. And I was like, oh, Finland, that's cool. I really wanted to go to Europe. And he goes, don't go to Finland. It is better here in America because you have bars. In Finland, we have beer and sauna. And the only party we get is taking the beer into the sauna. Which made me laugh, and it just reminded me when you uh, had uh, had stated that uh, that sometimes in the winter these creatures would go into the sauna. So you looked like you had a question. I think my brain stopped at naked wrestling. I I think they had boxers on to be fair, but that's pretty okay. naked for Rachel because I'm pretty conservative. I okay. like clothes. That's fair. That's fair. I just I was just gonna say, uh, it sounds like a different party there. The one I'd like to be invited to. <laughs> oh my god, Brendan. Well, I don't know because they were lanky, not not bearish. Mm. 
No, no, I break them like twigs. <laughs> Alright, um, <laughs> you have another creature for us, don't you, Brendan? Well, not so much a creature this time as a deity. Okay. Still mythological, let's go. I am going to talk now a little bit about Sercat. Oh, that's not fair. That's in your wheelhouse. Oh, jeez. I mean, true, but that is beside the point here. Flips to a random page. Oh, look, one of my gods. <laughs> Sercat is the Egyptian goddess of fertility, nature, animals, medicine, magic, and the healing of venomous stings and bites. That should be all, unless I am forgetting anything. That's a long list. She was commonly referred to as the Scorpion Goddess, and in a lot of the ancient artworks and murals, is depicted as either a scorpion herself, a woman holding a scorpion in her hand, or on her head, or rarely depicted as a woman with a scorpion's tail, stinger and all. Interesting. Yeah. Because one of the most dangerous species of scorpion actually lived in and around the areas of Egypt at the time, the Deathstalker, it was believed that that was the reason Serket was so highly important and why so many pharaohs, priests, and priestesses had said that she was their patron deity. The single sting of a Deathstalker was enough to, even with today's medicine, kill a grown man in a matter of minutes. Ooh. Oh, great. I have goosebumps now. So it was believed that because this scorpion was very prominent around the area at the time, and still is today, that that's why she, who can heal the poison at a single touch, was considered a patron deity of so many of the early pharaohs and the early priests and priestesses. That's interesting. All I can think about, like, when I think about Egypt is, like, Horus and Anubis and things like that. But but when I think about bugs in Egypt, I just think about scarabs. And then I think close second would be scorpion because of frickin' the mummy and the scorpion king. Also, in regards to the fact that she was a protector against venom and bites and stings, she was often said to be a protector of the people and of other gods from a being known as Apep, the great snake demon, who is associated with great evil, and is sometimes even depicted in the artwork as the one who captures or slays Apep. That's kind of badass. Yeah. Being a deity that even that guards and protects other deities. Um, yeah. There's not very many in the pantheon for Egypt that are protectors of other gods and goddesses. You only really see that in occasionally Set, Selbeck, or very rarely Ra himself. Uh, Once or twice Isis skirting someone away 
goodness, all all you hear about snakes, and, and it's something that I've even read in um, some of my own personal uh, readings, is that they're they're evil, and, and you hear a lot about snakes being bad. Half of our creatures today had snake-like qualities, and almost all of them were considered bad or evil or chaotic creatures. And, I and just... it's truly fascinating that this is a universal theme from across the board, because a lot of our... A lot of our creatures that we talked about today come from all different areas of the world. We've talked about Egypt, we've talked about Greece. the Baltic states, we've talked about Greece, we've talked about all over the world. We've talked about China too? Yeah. China. Dragon Carp, yeah. So China, the Mediterranean. Eastern and Western Europe and all over the world and the common thing is serpent-like features are a sign of evil in a lot of these myths. And now we're gonna go into one of my favorite favorite places on the planet and it's not it hasn't always been the most open places. We're gonna go and talk about some of uh, the lore from Japan. Um, the creature that I ended up flipping to, which we didn't realize I hadn't picked a creature as of t until today, was <laughs> there was much wait, research wait, being done prepared, as Rachel, we were recording. doing too much marketing hey <laughs> hey i was up till 4 a.m so that's that's not that's, that's on all of you guys um so we're gonna go talk about the oni now anybody that has heard the term oni has most likely heard it in in, in hand in hand with yokai yokai were just kind of mischievous spirits the oni were the bad spirits they were not friendly. And, and, and if you look at the lore, none of the yokai were friendly. So it's very hard to kind of separate that. Yeah, the Crow Tengu was kind of an advice giver when he wasn't beating your ass with a fan. Eh, there are some stories that I've heard of about the Crow Tengu that aren't very pleasant. And, and, and there isn't a whole lot, and it makes me so sad. We don't know a whole lot about the Japanese culture when it comes to these spirits and these things. Because, again, the, as much as they are opening up, there are still certain things they are keeping definitely to themselves. Um, I want to do more research on this subject and kind of present it to you more fully. And it's just we haven't had the time to do the, uh, the research for this specific subject because again, yokai and oni is an entirely separate subject for most of this. And it's a vast subject. Uh, that might be a whole day of topics by itself. Oh my God, yeah. And you then, can find information on the yokai in ancient Japanese folklore, older texts and stories, and even kabuki theater. And again, we'll, we'll probably make a topic to throw into the top hat about this. Um, probably in the next few weeks but you we can have an entire yokai discussion oh yeah it'd be great actually and it may be cool for us or, or you guys to even if you want to suggest animes that you've seen along the lines for this subject because i think it'd be cool to do a review on a couple animes as well as we go along in these shows mythology part two yokai and anime edition oh my gosh that my my, that might be two subjects all to itself. My geeky brain just kind of imploded. What? <laughs> what? Oh, gosh. Um, if you guys have any suggestions for mythological creatures you'd like us to give opinions on, 
Uh, go ahead and post them. We'll, we'll post. Uh, we have a Twitter, an Instagram, and a Facebook page, all under Topic Top Hat. Uh, go ahead and find us and look us up. We are, would be very grateful if you would follow us and, and, and kind of give us feedback. We'd love to hear from you guys. And I think that's going to have to, we're going to have to wrap up this session for now. Don't you? I think I'd agree with that. Yeah? I think we're good for this, for right now, with our mythological talks. But, yeah, there will definitely be more coming up later. And, yeah, please leave more suggestions for us below. We'll add topics to the top hat. Just a little preview for next week's uh, topic top hat. We are going over our 10 favorite Victorian slang. This is not to be confused with the fact that there's different slang via Victorian versus modern day. We have a whole different subject on modern day slang, but we are going to go over our top favorite, 10 favorite British slangs. And you may see some crossovers between our lists, and we look forward to interacting with you guys. If you guys want, and you feel up to it, send us a message on Twitter, or comment on Instagram, or even comment on Facebook, and tell us what your favorite British slang is, so that we can get uh, to add it to our list if we like it. Thank you for tuning in to Topic Top Cat during this tea time. Make sure you follow us on our social media pages for more shenanigans. See you guys on Thursday. This is TTH signing off. Bye!